0: All right, I trust you're ready for the word this morning. Um, at this time, we just uh, allow God to speak to us through the teaching and the preaching of the word. So I'm just going to pray right now, commit our time to God, and then, uh, then let's ask... Uh, Uh, to hear from heaven. You haven't come to hear from me today. You've come to hear from heaven. And God does speak to us through the teaching and the preaching of the word. All right. Heavenly Father, we just set this time aside now. And uh, Lord, as we have spent some time worshiping you, we've spent, uh, Lord, uh, time to come and honor you with our giving. At this time, Lord, we open up our hearts and we ask that you speak to us through the teaching and the preaching of your word. And God, that you, by your Holy Spirit, make plain the truth to us so we can grasp It understand it and in uh, Lord uh, imbibe it into our lives and to be doers of the word. And so we thank you, Lord, that you praise him by your spirit to open the eyes of our understanding, to show us things that we have never seen before, to remove spiritual blindness. And we thank you, Father, that your word confronts all lies, every deception, and Lord, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and it will throw it down so that the truth of your word will stand in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, if you haven't got an outline in your hand, wave your hand about. Oh, we've got another announcement going on for... for all right, Ruth, uh, come on up. Tell us uh, what's happening with the, with the youth there. Sorry. All right, everybody give a big hand to Ruth. Praise God.
1: Oh, <laughs> Morning, morning. Um, look, um, first of all, thank you so much for your support um, for our movie fundraiser last week. Um, a very successful night. We do have another one coming up in October, um, a Marvel movie. Woo-hoo! I know, I know. Anyway, um, <laughs> so we've got Friday Youth coming up on the 28th of July. Um, from 7 um, seven to 9pm, it will be held here. Watch my, um, I'll be sending out texts, you know me, I bombard people with texts, Facebook notices, Instagram, um, knock at your door, no, kidding. Um, and also Sunday, Sunday notices, okay. Speedball tournament, am looking for some players for the speedball tournament on August the 12th, um, it's a Saturday, the team registration will be paid by VCC, thanks Pete. Um, And transport will be provided... No, I'm kidding. I'll I'll email you. (laughs) Um, Transport is provided um, to take our our players over. Um, Please come and see me, or I will come and see you. Any young person around here, I can can see you, so I'll come and have a chat with you, okay? Final um, notice is... Actually, no, thank you so much for our parents and for our youth. Please um, keep our youth in prayer. Join Lydia and I, we pray every Monday morning from uh, 7.30 a.m. to 6 a.m. for our youth, male um, leadership. Did I say, what did I say? Sorry, 5.30 a.m. to 6 a.m. for our youth. Male leadership, male explosion for VCC in Jesus' name.
0: Thank you. Amen. All right. Well done. Thanks, Ruth. Praise God. All right. Uh, I trust we're all ready to go. So let's buckle in. Outline. Let's buckle in. Ushers lock the doors. Let nobody get away. God wants to speak to everybody here this morning. <laughs> All right, uh, we started a new series of messages last week entitled, Discerning the Signs of the Times. And uh, we started here in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 1, 2, and 3. And I just want to quickly recap before we cover new ground. But it says, The Pharisees and the Sadducees came and they tested Jesus and asked him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he said, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. And it's interesting, uh, we started out there by saying that Jesus almost marveled that these guys were able to tell the signs of the impending weather. He says, you know, you look at the sky and when it's red in the evening or rain in the morning, you know, this is going to happen and that is going to happen. But he says, you cannot tell the signs of the times that you live in. And you know, I kind of thought about this, that uh, they were the religious leaders of... Of the day. But they, they should have known that their time was the time when the Messiah was about to appear. They completely missed it. In the whole nation of Israel there were only two people that knew about the arrival of the Messiah. One of them was Simeon, who was an, an, an older priest, and the other one was Anna, uh, Anna a, a prophetess uh, who was a praying woman. And uh, they completely missed the signs of the times. Um, Now we are at the end of the age, uh, end of the church age. Jesus is about to appear. And the question is, how many people around the world or how many believers do do we have that actually discern that we are actually really, really close to the second coming of Jesus Christ? Do we know how to read the signs of the times? And so that's the purpose of these messages here. We're going to look at some of the signs uh, to help us to determine where we are on on God's timeline, if you like. How close are we really? Uh, By the way, this is not a full end-time teaching. We're just looking at some of the signs of the times. And uh, here in Matthew chapter 24, uh, verse 3, it says, The disciples came to Jesus privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of of your coming and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said uh, to them, take heed that no one deceives you. And we made the first point here, and we said that deception is a predominant sign in the last days. And friends, we've got deception going on all around us. Um, and uh, a couple more scriptures here that we uh, looked at. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times... In the end days, later times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And what's always really concerned me about this scripture here is that it is actually ultimately our faith that will help to get us into heaven. So if people depart from the faith, they got nothing uh, to help them to get into heaven. You think about that. There are deceiving spirits that deceive people um, and doctrines of demons. Uh, and we said that although Jesus taught about uh, such things as false Christs, false prophets, false signs and wonders, um, uh, and, and, and he warned us against uh, you know, religious deception, we said that religious deception is actually only a part of a big bigger picture of a worldwide deception that is going on. Um, And finally, Matthew 24, verse 5, Jesus says, many will come uh, in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must, must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, Pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate. One another, And so at this point, I would like to make the second point uh, in regards to predominant signs uh, in these last days. And it is offended people is another predominant sign in these last days. Now, can I just uh, point out here that even though Jesus mentioned these various issues that we've already referred to uh, that are going on, uh, he pointed out that there will be many, many offended people. So if you like, uh, I guess as a starting point, we could spend uh, some time dividing uh, the list of signs that Jesus gave us in regards to outward external signs and then in- internal signs or internal markers. Uh, so in other words, there will be false Christ, and they're out there preaching a false gospel, uh, even doing false signs and wonders. Uh, but the internal condition then will be that there will be many, many deceived people, all right? Jesus spoke here about other outward signs such as wars, and gosh, we got wars going on around the world, and in fact, uh, that war in Syria has gone on, that civil war uh, that, you know, nations trying to to defeat ISIS, and are making some progress, and I thought, gosh, you know, I want to know what's going on there, but I tell you, I've reached saturation point. I just can't hear it anymore. It's just the same old, same old, same old. Uh, I don't know if that happens to you, but, you know, the media know that after a while, when people have heard the same story uh, over and over and over, that after a while, people just, you know, you know, and then, of course, the media knows to just dish up a new thing, you know, to just dish up a new thing, but there's multiple wars going on around the world. There have never been as many wars. Uh, as they are right now, different skirmishes amongst nations. It speaks of rumors of wars, uh, that there is, you know, uh, a, a war being spoken about, uh, you know, was it uh, 20, 30 years ago that they talked about the Cold War? Uh, it wasn't like a real war, but it was a war of words, a war of ideology between East and West or between, you know, America and Russia uh, and so forth, between uh, capitalism and communism. And you got all of these ism and you got all of these nations and you got all of these things going on. He uh, uh, says, nation will rise up against nation. Uh, border skirmishes. Uh, there's been a border skirmish going on between India and Pakistan for multiplied decades, and it hasn't eased in any way. Um, you know, if anybody uh, keeps any eye on, on the region, what they call Kashmir, which is just a, a disputed area there, and there's just they're firing shots at each other, um, and it's just unbelievable. In fact, some of it is even humorous. they got this thing on, on YouTube where you can watch how these border guards opening and closing gates and how they're all strutting around, and uh, some of it is very humorous. You might want to check that out sometime. It's like, unbelievable. How can grown up people how can grown up people act like that? But the word says nation will rise up against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines uh, there may be famines, and, and don't we now get nowadays getting you know requests for money over here and feeding people over there? There's famines going on, and, and some of these are, are real famines, and it's good if we're able to help in different situations. There's pestilences, uh, pestilences if you like, pests. You know, if it's not the Hong Kong flu or the swine flu or SARS or this or that, or the other, there's a lot of that going on. Uh, Then there are earthquakes, and of course we could tell our own story about that here in New Zealand, about earthquakes. And then he says that there will be tribulation and hatred. All right, but these are all the outward signs But then there is the inward condition where, number one, people are deceived. And number two, Jesus says there will be many, many offended people. And that's what I want to focus on. Uh, uh, We talked last week about deceived people, about deceptions. And today I want to talk to you about offenses. Uh, Jesus says there will be many, many offended people. Now, I don't know about you, but whether you've noticed lately, but uh, there is just an unbelievable number of offended people around today. Unbelievable. It's one of the signs of the times. Uh, but unless you observe what's going on and you compare and you know some of us have got the benefit of we have been around for a little bit uh, and uh, and you know like the color of my hair will tell. Uh, I've been around a little bit and you know I haven't just come down in the last hour as, uh, as we might say you know some of us have been around a little bit these times that we have now is unprecedented. We, we, I cannot remember any such thing as offended people running around and you know people with an axe to grind, people with a barrel to push and people running around in the streets and in front of buildings with little placards and little signs saying, we don't like this and we don't like that and we don't like the Donald and we don't, you know, just people with issues spending multiplied hours to air their grievances and pushing their petty little issues on Facebook, on Twitter and on on google and starting web pages and some of them are very clever the way they're presented Uh, but you know what Uh, i've learned early in my christian walk that i don't want to spend time with offended people because before too long if i open my heart and i let them uh, you know like share their their grievances next minute i get offended too so i i'm very quickly i just pick up offense from a mile away and it doesn't take me long if I research something and I study something or I read after somebody. You know, there's people with an ax to grind, people with a chip on the shoulder. And I right there, just, I don't want to read this anymore. The information might be good, but I don't want to pick up the spirit. I don't want that spirit to come into my life. You know, Ecole has brought some excellent teaching because he's since gone to heaven. But he talked about imbibing the spirit of other people by spending time with them and getting around them. And they might not even talk about the offense that they're carrying, but nevertheless, if they're offended and they continue to be offended, eventually we will imbibe their spirit into our lives and suddenly we're singing from the same song sheet. It's just interesting. So we've got to really watch that area. It is one of the signs of the times. In fact, according to the way that we might, you know, analyze this list here, as we've just done, and the way that I read this, uh, the two predominant signs of inward conditions—you know—we can't control wars. And we can't control famines and other stuff individually. We can't do anything about that. Of course, we can pray and, you know, we can affect things. But in a a natural, nothing much we can do about these external things. But we can most certainly protect ourselves from deception. And we can most certainly protect ourselves from uh, offenses and from being one of those offended people that Jesus talked about. All right. people offended at God, offended at the government, offended at their leaders, offended at their parents, offended at their brothers, at their sisters. Offended, offended, offended. It's amazing. And you know, it's uh, almost today, it's almost considered a virtue to be offended at something. People almost have their identity wrapped up in their offense. It's amazing. Have you ever noticed? You'll be in the middle of it. And sometimes uh, it takes some of that to be pointed out. It's like, oh, I never thought of that. That people's identity, or should I say, people's offense has become their identity. There are some people that are always on a war path, always fighting some issue. And there you know, certain issues are worth fighting for. Don't get me wrong. The Bible tells us that we need to fight for our families. The Bible says that we need to fight to advance the purposes of God in the earth. There are certain things that, are, that we, you know, we need to put our weight behind and, and to help, but there are some petty issues that people are pushing like I just cannot. There are certain things that I cannot stand. Um, And I'm just telling you my opinion now. It's not thus says the Lord. But you know, there's certain things that I cannot cope with very easily. Uh, uh, Talkback radio. I just can't deal with it. I cannot deal with it. It's like, where do these people live? How do they find these people? Talkback. The very word is annoying. Perhaps it might be one of my offenses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Talk back. It's like these people just on nationwide radio to just air their ignorance and their pity, pity. And then the other one is reality TV. I just, oh, just uh, reality TV. I watch a bit of TV here and there, and, but reality, I cannot deal with it because it's all so made up and it's all so, so staged and it's all so, uh, it's just, you know, it's like where do they find these people? Where do they find these people? I, what planet do they live on? <laughs> what planet? <laughs> so, you know, they, people consider themselves very wise and intelligent as they communicate their... Offense and their petty little issues, and carry their little placards and their little signs. And, and you know, they got their little markers. Uh, you know, want to start a campaign for this. And a camp, you know, certain campaigns are worth getting behind, but there is just campaign after campaign. And they, and they want you to just send this to all of your friends and, and you get on board and say, No, I'm not getting on board with your petty little issue. <laughs> get a life. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. A person's insight gives him patience, and his virtue is to overlook an offense. You can soon tell if you're dealing with a person with a small mind and a little heart. Because they get overwhelmed with just offenses like all the time. People with big mind and big heart don't deal with a lot of these petty issues that people stumble along in day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. So it says it is a, it is a man's virtue to overlook an offense. Uh, some of you might remember John Bevere. Uh, minister of the gospel. Uh, We've 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 got some of his materials. He's never been to our church here, but uh, we've got some of his video curriculum. In fact, he has a series entitled The Trap of Satan, and he talks about offenses being the trap of Satan, designed to trap Christians, and I guess to trap people in general. And he makes a statement here. He says, an offended heart is the breeding ground of deception. Because one thing that I found by experience in my own life, if I allow myself to get offended, then that offense begins to speak to me. And that offense begins to speak to me louder than the voice of the Holy Spirit that tells me to let it go. Because there's like a volume involved, and depending on the severity of the offense that I have decided to take on board, then this thing begins to speak to me and begins to lead me and guide me. Uh, and yet God wants to lead me and guide me by his spirit. Amen. So he says it's the offended heart is the breeding ground of deception. There's a quote here. And I just want to read a few quotes to kind of give us an understanding as to what we're talking about. Um, a quote here from Carlos uh, uh, Castaneda. Um, and this chap here is—he's uh, an author. and I wouldn't certainly buy everything else that he's saying, but but this is a good one. I thought uh, he says self-importance is man's greatest enemy. What weakens him is feeling offended by the deeds and misdeeds of his fellow men. Self-importance requires that one spends most of one's life offended by something or someone. <laughs> Let me read that again. He says, self-importance requires that one spends most of one's life offended by something or by someone. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty strong, I reckon. There's, kind of a, there's a kind of a truth encapsulated in there that I think uh, we could learn from. There's a quote here by Brian McGill. Uh, Brian is an author and a leadership mentor, amongst other things. And he says, he says, the feeling of being offended is a warning indicator that is showing you where to look within yourself for unresolved issues. Um, That's kind of, uh, I guess, uh, what God really wants us to do is rather than to get offended and point to other people's uh, issues and lives and mistakes and what have you. You know, they say when we point a finger at somebody, there's always three fingers pointing back at us. And so we always ought to examine our own heart and make sure that we operate with a big mind, with an open mind, with a big heart, and that we are able to overlook an offense. Another quote here by René uh, Descartes, uh, if that's how you pronounce it. He's a French so- philosopher, or he was. He says, whenever some, uh, anyone has offended me, <clears throat> I try to raise my soul so high that the offense cannot reach it. And I thought, this is really clever. I thought, this is, like, really cool. Uh, the question is, are we above offenses or are we just always under them or in the middle of them? Um And as I say, I just don't want to get on board with people's offenses. Um, And uh, when people, you know, tell a story, tell their experience, we need to realize it's always only one side of the story. And until we hear the other side of the story, we don't really know what's going on. You know, we hear their perceptions, but the reality is that, in fact, that's one thing I've discovered over the years, that, that many times people's perception is completely divorced from reality. It's even sometimes I've found that people have quoted me uh, over the years to, back to myself. To say, you know, when you said this and when you said that, and I thought, look, I was there. That meeting that you're talking about, I was there and I did not say that. And then sometimes people, they kind of, you know, almost, uh, almost impersonate me. When they say, you know, when you made that statement, I said, well... I might have made that statement, but I didn't make it in that tone of voice that you're putting on right now. You see, it's so easy to, mis- to be misrepresented these days because people's perception is whatever they're hearing uh, is what they- whatever they're hearing, and, uh, and, uh, but it's not necessarily what's being said. So we should raise our soul so high that offense cannot reach it. Another quote by Abraham Lincoln. We don't need to explain who he, who, who he is uh, or who he was. He says, we should be too big to take offense and too noble to give it. I thought this is good. We should be too big to take offense. Let's be bigger. Let's be bigger. Let's be, let's be unoffendable. We had an experience uh, some time ago where We as a a local church are pastoring with a ministry Um, and in fact we've been one of the first churches to get on board with this ministry kind of nationwide and it's in other parts of the world and I know the president of that organization, met him on several occasions, and because we're partnering with them, I've got sort of kind of access uh, uh, to the man to speak to him, and for a number of years uh, running, I've invited him to come and minister in our church, and it just hasn't come about uh, so far. And then, you know, a while ago, we found out that the man is actually speaking in one of our uh, local churches here, Um, and um, not only that, but nobody had communicated with us or communicated with me. And uh, we thought, well, that's okay, you know. <laughs> we'll get over it, you know. It's not like we're like, you know, like starting World War Three over an issue like that. And so, anyway, what's happened is that uh, uh, one of our local minister friends rang that ministry, and he said, "Look, he says, what you guys are doing is not good. He says you've got a church right there. He says that's been on board with you guys for." Many, many years, one of the longest serving ministry uh, or churches in in your ministry. And he says, you've completely passed them over. And and, and he says, and what you're doing is not good. Well, I didn't ask him to say that. But anyway, it turns out that within a couple of days, I received a phone call from one of the heads of that ministry to kind of, you know, oh, you know, pastor, we just uh, wanted to ring up and, uh, and uh, somehow the, the man stumbled around a bit and he was a bit sheepish and, and I knew what he was leading up to say and, and I said to him, look, I says, without letting him finish because he was fumbling around a bit, I says, look, I says, I need you to know that we are unoffendable and I need you to know that we're not bothered by what's happened here. We're bigger than that. And, uh, and I also need you to know that I says, I'm a leader myself. I know it's easy to overlook something and to drop a detail. And, you know, when we should have done something and we haven't done, I know what that's like. So I says, look, we're all ready to move on. And so anyway, they tried to patch things up. And to, for, for, as far as I was concerned, nothing, nothing had been torn. You know, we're, we're bigger than that. Uh, but anyway, I guess uh, the, uh, the, the moral of the story is that, uh, that I, I, I had an opportunity to get offended um, I had an opportunity to give this person a piece of my mind and I would have just shown my littleness rather than my bigness. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, it's interesting that sometimes uh, when, you know, we say something that we shouldn't have said and we might go back to the person and apologize. And when that person really goes to town to tell you how you've so wronged them when you've already apologized and how you shouldn't have done what you've done. What they're really doing is they're showing you their littleness. We're just moving on. We're just just big people here. We're we're all grown-ups. I said, look, we're not about to spit our dummy. I said, in fact, we haven't even got a dummy. We're we're beyond that. Dummy stuff is kindergarten stuff. We're adults here. We're all grown-ups. Some of you are more excited about my preaching than others. <laughs> There's a quote here by David Bettner, who is an American clergyman, if you like. Well known for his punchy sayings, and many of them are quoted uh, in different publications and in different, even in different messages. He says, Certainly, clumsy... Embarrassing and unprincipled and mean-spirited things do occur in our interactions with other people that would allow us to take offense. However, it ultimately is impossible for another person to offend you or to offend me. Indeed, believing that another person has offended us is fundamentally false. To be offended is a choice we make it is not a condition inflicted or imposed upon us by someone or by something else who i tell you what you you, you got to be you got to be a big person to even uh, to even buy into that notion here that the man is absolutely analyzing the situation people say you offended me and we say no you decided to be offended it's your decision And nowadays, in today's politically correct world, people are just so quick to just kind of shut you down. And, you know, we still have freedom of speech, by the way. Um, People are just so quick to shut you down. Oh, I find this offensive. You said this and you said that and you said the others. Come on, let's, let's be a little bit bigger here. Let's be into the, the, the sharing of ideas and of different concepts and different things and, and viewpoints and, and so forth. But gosh, people are just so offended today. Oh, oh you know, the, 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 the liberals are offended at the conservatives. And, the, and that crowd over here is offended with these people over there. And this group is offended with that one. It's one of the signs of the times. Just offenses. At a moment's notice, people will pick offense. can I suggest to you that we live in the days of the offended Christian we live in the days of the offended Christian We've now talked about offenses in the general sense, the people in the world, there's just so many offended people around, it's no longer funny now. <laughs> All right. It's no longer funny. It's a serious business. But you know what's even more serious is that we, uh, we're living in the days of the offended Christian. Um, just Christians that have taken offense somewhere. Um, I made a statement a number of years ago And this is just an opinion, this is not thus says the Lord, but I am concerned that the church outside the church is bigger than the church inside the church. And what that means is that there's people that have been in church that are now outside. I've i encountered them, in fact, way back in the early days when we did a door-to-door program in our initial suburb that we were in, down in Moira, and some of you were there. We knocked on every single door in that suburb and surrounding streets and to kind of reach out to people and to share Christ with people. And the number of people that I've come across, look, I used to go down to that church, but I'm no longer going there now because of this, because of this, and because of this. Um, and, uh, and uh, in one instance I specifically remember I don't go to that church anymore because of what they do to their ministers. Now, there are horrible things that happen to ministers, and uh, sometimes ministers get offended over things, but this person wasn't even a minister herself. She just said, I'm no longer going there because of this or because of this, because of this. <laughs> we just had Mario Marilla with us, and uh, gosh, I just enjoy spending time with this man. Um, just very sharp in the spirit and uh, very knowledgeable in the word, but he's also very funny. So he told me this story. He says, Have you heard of this one? He says, uh, This man was deserted on, a, uh, on an island, deserted island. He's the only one on the island. Been there for a number of years, and finally they found him. Ship arrived, and uh, he's all excited. And uh, he said, we here we come, to, you know, we come to get you, and we want to get you off the island here. And they look around, and there's three huts on the island. It's only a tiny little island. And they said, we've got three huts here. And is there other people, no, no, I'm the only one. I said, well, what, what, what is it with those huts? What's that one there? He says, well, that's the hut that I live in. He says, okay. What's the second hut then? Oh, I says, that's the, the church where I worship. He says, okay. Well, what's the third hut? Oh, I says, that's the church where I used to worship. <laughs> And uh, (laughs) it's a church where I used to go to. I laughed too. I thought it was very funny. But, you know, it's, uh, it's just also very serious. The number of offended Christians. God help us. God help us. It's a bit like people in the, on, on the, that guy on that island, people in their own little world with their own little petty offenses, their own little perceptions, their own little little things and, and, and so forth, and yet and, and, and yet, uh, and yet uh, God wants us all to become bigger. God wants us to raise our soul higher so offence can't reach us. I wonder if the man felt like burning down the first church that he was in. uh, (laughs) Or he left it there to remind himself that he's offended with that church. (laughs) There's some definitions here of the word offense or offended. Comes from the Greek word scandalizo. And you'll recognize the word because we get the English word scandal from that. That is one, scandal. All right, scandalous so the word here uh, offended means to be displeased or indignant displeased or indignant and all of us had people that have been displeased with us and indignant (laughs) I've had uh, a number of years ago we had this person visit our church in fact that was still back in the the hall that we used to hire and uh, during preaching one day the person got displeased and indignant with one of the things that I said. Sort of got up and we're talking a wooden floor and chairs and sort of started to walk straight through the chairs and shoved all the chairs out the, out the way and made a very noisy departure and out the door she was. And uh, that was the last that we saw her. And, uh, and uh, so, you know what? Um, in terms of preaching, there's aspects of preaching that are very scary for a minister, Uh, because I can get so prepared with my messages, and I can get so politically correct that there's almost no power flowing through that word. But the more I let the Spirit of God just go free flow, the greater the potential for collateral damage. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Because in every congregation... In every congregation, you get a group of people that sit there. They don't know how to pick up on the good things that are said. They're always waiting for somebody to say something wrong, to give them an excuse to be offended and an excuse to move on. And rather than taking personal responsibility for their own selves and their own issues and everything, it's just always easy to blame somebody else. Um, And you know what? Uh, We've now... uh, got the the results of that politically correct environment is that we got a social gospel that is preached, that no longer demands any commitment from anybody, that no longer mentions the word repentance, that no longer mentions the blood, that no longer mentions hell, and so forth. It just becomes a social gospel, telling everybody they're going to be all right. But friends, it's wrong to tell people they're going to be all right when they're not going to be all right. You read through that passage that Jesus talked about there in Matthew chapter 24 and a little bit further along the way, he says, but he says, if you endure to the end, you will be saved. Then my immediate question is, what about those that have not endured to the end? What about those that have got offended along the way? So, the second definition here of the word offend is to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. You know, there's an area there where sometimes, you know, kids growing up, and I, I, had, I had this happen in my own personal life, that at a certain point I got offended with my father for a period in my life. And that gave me a good excuse to my own self that I no longer had to submit to his authority that I could do my own thing. That's what this is talking about here. Being offended, uh, that means that uh, somebody that we ought to trust and obey, we can now desert and walk away from and no longer have to listen to what they've got to say. Then the third uh, definition here is the cause to fall away which obviously, uh, you know, caused to to stumble. Uh, And the fourth one, and this is an interesting one, it says to be offended in one. Um, And of course, that's what we're talking about. And then it gives an example. It says, to see in another what I disapprove of and what hinders me from acknowledging his authority. And the reality is that... uh, In the body of Christ, this has been studied by church growth experts over and over and over again, that they say that one of the main issues going on in churches where people no longer suddenly want to flow along with what God is doing in their lives and God is doing in that environment is a loss of respect, loss of respect for the leaders, a loss of respect for the environment. They're no longer respected now. They're now offended and as a result of that, in their own mind, it hinders them from acknowledging the authority that God has placed into their lives. So they go and find a new authority until that authority offends them. And then they find another authority. And as I say, they are people. If they were the only one on an island, they, won't, they wouldn't have three huts, they would have 15, 20 huts. <laughs> what a tragedy! What a tragedy. You know, the Greek word for offense is (laughs) skandalon, skandalon. Again, uh, we get the English word scandal from that. Um, But what's interesting in studying the uh, etymology uh, of the word, meaning the origin of the word, um, it, it tells us there that the word was originally used as the name of the trigger of a trap to which the bait is attached. You know, I got a couple of mouse traps at home. I got a rat trap as well, but I haven't needed the rat trap. But I've used the mouse trap a couple of times. And the typical thing, you know, it kind of opens up like this, and it's got a little trigger part there, and that's where you put the bait on it. Uh, and it is actually that trigger part. Th- the name of it was Scandalon. So it's kind of interesting that the word offense actually comes from the word trap. And this is where John Bevere gets his, his concept from that offense is the trap of the enemy, to want to catch you. And uh, gosh, the whole trapping world uh, uh, its just horrible what they do to animals. I guess the basic concept being is, you know, whether a bear is trapped or a lion is trapped or something else is trapped, when it's trapped, it can no longer move away and it can no longer move forward. And this is the trick of the enemy. The devil wants to catch you with a offense, an offense, or several offenses, so he can't move forward in the purposes of God. And then people just go around the same mountain again and again and again and again and again. History should tell us by reading the Old Testament that the Israelites, a journey that should have them taken them 12 to 14, 20 days at the most to get from Egypt through into the promised land. 40 years later, they're still wandering around that silly mountain. So what is the mountain in your life? What is the trap that the enemy has brought into your life, uh, that scandal on? What is that scandal that you're holding on to and that you're not prepared to let go of? Because I believe God's saying it's time to move forward. So absolutely, uh, offenses are the trap of Satan to catch Christians and to hinder them from moving forward. And sometimes people move physically but they no longer move spiritually. You know, it's one thing that I've found is, uh, you know, uh, in terms of coming from, from uh, Europe at age, uh, what was I, 21, 22, when I came to New Zealand. You know, it's been said that you can, you can travel 12,000 miles, but when you land, you're still the same person that you were than when you left. Changing geography makes no difference. It's still the same heart still the same issues that you got to deal with. Whether you're here, there, or anywhere, you still got to deal with the issues. you still got to learn to be big. Still got to learn to, to rise above rather than to let little issues blow us out the water. I've got a number of Scripture passages I want to read now. Uh, that talk about it. and again time would fail us uh, to look at everything that we could look at because the Bible speaks extensively about this area that we're talking about here and brings us some answers. But here is what it says in uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19: It says, "An offended brother is harder to reach than a fortified city, and quarrels are like the bars of a fortress." And again, you know, there's certain anchor points that. Uh, that uh, I've laid down in my life, um, in the early years of my Christianity, and I've decided along the way that I was going to be unoffendable. Now, certain things, you know, I get annoyed, and certain, but but in terms of getting offended at people, I cannot afford. I cannot afford to be one of those offended brothers that now has to be reached, and it's very very hard to reach him. I don't want to be one of those. I don't want people to have to come around and visit me and say, oh, please, please, let's rise up again. Let's, get, let's serve God. Let's, let's, I don't want to be one of those. I know about you. You know, I, <laughs> I'm a great listener, and I just like listening. I like observing. I like to learn. I've sort of discovered that, you know, if I do all the talking in a situation, I don't learn anything. Because, I mean, all, all, when I'm doing all the talking, all, I'm, all I talk about is what I know. But when I listen, and I observe, and I see other people, um, and, uh, and um, I can learn things. You know, I'm reminded of what David uh, said. Uh, he says, once I was young, and now I'm old. He says, but never have I seen the righteous forsaken God's seed begging for bread. And that's a kind of anchor point of the gosh, that is just so good. You know, here's the man, David, in the latter years of his life. And he's observed things. He's watched things. And you know, the number of people around the world that we got that are offended at God, including Christians, is unbelievable. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken, he says. Never. So if there's any failing anywhere, it is always on the human side. It is never on the God side. God does not know how to fail us. Yet people get offended at God. So an offended brother is harder to reach than a fortified city. And fortified city back in those days, there were wall cities. Which tells us something, that offended people build up walls around them. And then you can't reach them anymore. What a tragedy. I don't want no walls in my life. <laughs> You know, if you said something to me last week, if you had, you haven't, but if you had, and I walk past you, I'll still smile at you. I'm not going to give you the silent treatment. I'm not going to ignore you. And if I, if I do ignore you, it's unintentional. I don't want you, when I walk past you, I don't want you to feel bad because of a sour face that I've got on, on my face. I, I, we ought not to operate like that. You know, giving people the silent treatment or ignoring them. So, well... Pastor offended me last week, so I want him to know that I'm displeased now. So I will stay home this week, and I want him to know. Well, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We're praying for you. (laughs) An offended brother is harder to reach than a fortified city, and quarrels are like the bars of a fortress. You know, fortresses, castles. Prisons, God bars and he says, quarrels are like that. They will lock you in. Not only will they lock you in, but they will also lock you out. They lock you out of the blessing of God. They lock you out of of something called answer prayer. Because our hearts got to be right when we pray. And if we are offended, our hearts are wrong. We're no longer in the right space. We're no longer in the right place. We no longer have the right spirit about us. So Matthew 13, verse 20, speaks about the parable of the sower where Jesus is doing teaching. And he's speaking about the condition of the heart. Of course, people have called it the parable of the sower or the parable of the seed. But actually, the sower is only one sower and the seed is only one seed. But there are four different conditions of the heart. So we should really call it the, the parable of the heart. He says, he who received the seed into stony ground, that is the word uh, being sown into people's hearts, in this instance being sown into stony places, the same is he who hears the word and anon with joy receives it, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended." I tell you, it's just sad. I've watched people over the years, by and by, they are offended. (laughs) By and by. Some people are offended immediately. Other people get offended by and by. It's very tragic. And what's the problem here? Well, the Word is on stony ground. The Word cannot penetrate into the soil of the heart now because there's stones in place. Offences, self-justification, self-importance. You know, with that issue that I described before, it's like you know. Sometimes I think to myself, you know, we are important, but we're not that important. You know, we, you know, we're important in God's economy, but the world does not revolve around us. You know, we're not the centre of the universe. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 3 it says for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine for according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up teachers uh, they they will heap up for themselves teachers now anybody that will study 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy this is Paul the aged, Paul the apostle Paul the elder speaking to Timothy who was a young minister, and specifically, he was the minister at the church in Ephesus. And Paul spent extensive time warning him about issues, warning him about that his time will go on. And of course, the same is not just written to Timothy, it's written to every minister to the, today, saying, the time will come when people in general will no longer endure sound doctrine. Of course, we read the scripture earlier on when First Timothy chapter 3 says in the latter times, uh, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to the choosing spirit. That's Paul saying to Timothy, warning the ministers that there's gonna, time's going to be coming. Uh, and then, of course, here in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, he says, uh, in fact, let me swing over into that. Because uh, this is uh, uh, kind of exactly the area that we're speaking into. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 Timothy know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. So thinking that they are the center of the universe. They'll be lovers of money. They'll be bolsters. They'll be proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. It's everything un. You notice that? Everything un. Rather than the, you know, being, being thankful, holy, loving, and forgiving there. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure. Well, I tell you, I've, I've dealt with some headstrong people over the years. And gosh, you've got to just go so easy and just, you've got to put on silk gloves before you communicate with them and you got to just go so gently because they're just about ready to fall over. The slightest suggestion that perhaps they could adjust some areas in their lives and that perhaps there's a growth opportunity here. I've dealt with them and I know you have too. It's just people, you know, that wear their feelings on their sleeve, as we say. And that's exactly what this is speaking about headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And then the Bible says, and from such people turn away. Now, I don't know about you, but like, it's like, what? Paul, speaking to Pastor Timothy, says people like that, turn away from them. So no, we need to be friends with everybody. No, no, not according to the Bible. Because the word also says that you know, bad company corrupts good morals. You know, hang out with a fool, become like one. This is all truth, this is all proverbs. This is all, is it uh, Corinthians says, uh, bad company corrupts good morals. So he says, turn away from them. And then earlier on, he spoke about sound doctrine. He says, things that are contrary to sound doctrine, where fornication is still sin, which is sex outside of marriage, is still sin. Adultery, which is when somebody's married but has sex with, with somebody they're not married to, it's still sin. You know, it speaks about sodomites, which is homosexuality, is still sin. It is wrong to tell these people that they're going to be all right when they're not going to be all right. So it says the time will come when they will not endure sound Doctrine. He says, uh, and and so these are the days now, friends. There's an interesting passage here. I'll be still excited this morning. Uh, Some of you are sort of starting to wane a little bit on me now. Uh, (laughs) Have you reached saturation point, have you? (laughs) There's two more scriptures, three. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 60. Therefore, many of Jesus' disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? When Jesus knew it in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And this is the whole crux of the matter. This is the whole purpose of offenses. This is why the devil wants to trap people and catch them out so they no longer walk with Jesus. So they no longer walk with great leaders that can help them to get to the next level. So they no longer walk in the environment where they can grow and develop into the purposes of God and fulfill their calling. That is the very crux of the matter. And of course, Jesus wasn't about deterred by that. So when... uh, Most of the people left. (laughs) Uh, And I haven't yet come across a preacher as bold as that. Um, But when most of the people left, except uh, the few disciples that were left, he says to them, are you going to leave as well? And at least, you know, Peter, we sometimes blame Peter for putting his, you know, his foot in his mouth and, you know, his rash and his, you know, the brash and this and that and the other. But, you know, Peter was the man with the revelation. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says to Jesus in, the, in that instance, he says, master, where shall we go? He says, you got the words of life. Amen. That's a very mature statement. He says, we don't like what you said either. <laughs> Because Jesus talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and that is just obscene uh, to to a Jewish mindset. That is just like way out there. But you know, there's a cost to discipleship that uh, that, uh, we need to just not get excited over the things that we already agree with. Because one thing I've discovered over the years when I'm preaching, and people shout, amen, 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 I'm only telling them what they already know. When people sort of like, it could be, it could be that people have never thought about some of the things that are at that moment that are being shared. That's why I'm not, not necessarily living on the, on the amends of people. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, we need to just, uh, in the end, it's not about pleasing crowds or no, not about being so politically correct that, you, you know, we just, we just appeal to everybody and everybody's always happy uh, because if they're... What about the offense of the cross? What about the offense of Christ? Mark 6, verse 2 and 3. Very quickly now, we're getting ready to wrap up. When the Sabbath had come, Jesus began to teach in the synagogue, and many heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? For with such mighty works, uh, such mighty works are performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. They were now offended at Jesus. Jesus in, in his hometown. They knew him. Said, so, oh, Who's the carpenter? It's the carpenter's boy. We know him. His brothers are with us. You know what? Familiarity breeds uh, opportunity for offenses. That's what that does here. And dishonor. Uh, is the next thing that happened here because the Bible tells us that Jesus couldn't do no mighty works there in the place except to heal a few sick folk and then he just moved on. Why? Because they were offended. And when we got churches, and I'm not talking about here, but I'm talking churches across, across the board, uh, particularly uh, offenses is more of a Western phenomena. Uh, it's not found in the persecuted church. It's found mainly in the Western church because persecuted Christians are smarter than that. They know they cannot survive by taking offenses on board that will trip them up. But, you know, Western Christians are sometimes just in in a space where, you know, as I say, just just not much understanding in some of these areas. Um, So they were offended at Jesus um, and he could do no mighty works there kind of offense creates an environment where the power of God is stifled and the spirit of God is grieved um, because of kind of the atmosphere that it brings and finally now Matthew chapter 11 verse 6 Jesus speaking blessed blessed happy fortunate and to be with is he who takes no offense at me and finds no cause for stumbling in or through me and is not hindered from seeing the truth so what that's telling us here is that Jesus says that we are blessed when we're not offended. But if we are offended, we're now hindered to see the truth. right? Because the offense speaks louder to us than what the truth does. And finally, Psalm 19 verse 13. Keep me from sinning. Do not let anyone gain control over me. Then I will be blameless and I will be free from any great offense. Praise God. And that brings us to the end of the message. We're going to sing one more song and allow the spirit of God to just consolidate uh, the word that has been spoken. So perhaps there's areas there where we ought to make some adjustments here to put down some anchor points and uh, where we make a decision that we're going to be unoffendable no matter what. That we're going to make a decision that if we're already trapped and let's open this trap and let's walk away from it. And by the power of God, that is possible.